cerebral palsy it's not a disease it's a condition so if they don't have sickness why do you have to give them medicine that's the reason if they don't have sickness don't give medicine ex except if they have a breathing problem if they have they have epilepsy yes you can go for medical treatment otherwise it will not help medicine will not help <music> Stick Your Neck Out, the weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation. The Kasi and Yaintia people of Southern Meghalaya have developed a variety of techniques to utilize ancient rubber trees' growth phases. The result is a tourist attraction, a unique site to be told, the Living Root Bridges. Tangles of massive thick roots have been blended together to form a bridge. They can hold several people at a time. The resulting bridges link homes, fields, villages and markets. The root bridges provide a stable alternative to wooden bridges which decay and get destroyed during the long-lasting monsoon seasons. Welcome to the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. My name is Jampiera Gyalburanyona and today I want to take you, dear listeners, again to Meghalaya, India. This time, to have a talk with Kantari alumni Kalinda War. Kelinda has established Marbling Roots, an early intervention center for children with cerebral palsy in the rural areas of Meghalaya. Welcome, Kelinda. Thank you. Thank you, Yang. Cerebral palsy, also called non-progressive chronic infantile encephalopathy, occurs due to an injury that affects the central nervous system. Now, Kelinda, do you mind explaining to us what is the relation between your center and the living root bridges I was talking about at the very beginning? Yes, yes. The, the link between the, the name which I name Marveling Roots and the bridge is that when that bridge, it's not growing by itself. I mean, like the roots cannot turn into a bridge by itself, but people use the roots of this tree, the fig tree, and they form into a bridge by giving them hands, especially when they, the, the roots are still small and still flexible to turn. And they give hands with the use of bamboo or arachnid trees. And they slowly, slowly, when the roots get follow the line which the people give and they form into a bridge which is long and lasting. So the living root bridge, it's not formed on its own. Actually, it's a natural bridge, but it does not form on its own. People used to give line to this bridge or used to give line to the roots of the fig tree for a long period of time when these roots climb this line and it reached the other side of the river and it formed into a big, uh, a strong bridge, which lasts for a long period of time. Sim similarly, for children with cerebral palsy, if we, can, if we can help them or intervene them at their very young age, we can give hands and guide them right from the early age. These children, they can go strong and independent at the later of life. So that is why we named the project or the organization Marveling Roots, because it's, there is a similarity between these roots and the children with cerebral palsy. Because, you know, cerebral palsy, if you leave them without intervention or any help, when they are growing up, they will face more difficulties because they lack stimulation at the young age. So I think you get my point. Totally, totally. So tell us about the early intervention service package at Marbelin Roots. Did you realize the idea of an inclusive kindergarten as you planned while passing the Kantari leadership program? Yes, this early intervention center, it's like, it's kind of a play school because when you are working with children, you can't escape playing. So we 
want to make it more uh, inclusive as much as possible because these children with cerebral palsy before coming into this project area children with cerebral palsy they mostly spend time at home with their family and they lack social life and now when if they come to the early intervention or is inclusive kindergarten they tend to improve their social life so this idea of of intervention or inclusive kindergarten uh, we uh, developed while i was in kanthari but the actual idea was before that but when i was in kanthari we developed more and more idea so that the project will not just fix on one track but we have to look in both the in many tracks so that we can see the best in these children what exactly are you doing with the children when the kids come to your place what what do they do exactly so first when we enroll children or when we identify children we assess first we talk with the parents first yes that is the most important thing that we talk with the parents we make them understand about what we are doing and what is the importance of this early intervention so we assess the children and when we assess we identify the problem that they face or the strength that they have so based on that we figure out what are the activities that is suitable to them so the activities which we are providing is therapy which is physical stimulation and also we teach them all the activities of daily living skills like brushing combing uh, washing hands washing face and even uh, folding handkerchief and fingers uh, and then we do the uh, fine motor stimulation like activities like we give activities which will stimulate the hands and also all the movement because these children need to be encouraged to do all the things on their own yeah when you say you make like activities to stimulate the hands or the the feet or whatever can you describe the some of the exercises you do to um, improve the kids mobilities yes i'll just give you an example on that it will be much more clearer the activities which i give for the hand or especially the finger stimulation and in the fingers we stimulate the sense of touch also and coordination between the fingers uh, or between the hands so the activities which we are given is like we have a clean sand and in that sand we put pebbles or or marble stone like those are round marble stone where children play we put inside the sand and we we made the child to search for all those marble and uh, when the hands goes inside the hand is like they can feel the sand they can feel the the smoothness or the they have the feeling the sense of feeling when they touch that and when they pick up the pebble they coordinate and after picking up the pebble they put inside a container so that's how it's one game one activities it helps both both the sensory stimulation and uh, coordination yeah that's nice so what is early intervention for children with cerebral palsy early intervention is a service or like kind of a process which support or help to intervene children or infant or toddler at their young age those children mostly are the children who are at risk of developmental delays like cerebral palsy and other types of disability so you said once and i'm going to quote you now children with developmental delay need support and guidance from an early age so they can integrate in the society and grow strong and confident but in the region where i come from there is a lack of support that's the end of the quote my question is what are the problems you are addressing in your project 
Yes, people who are reside in the rural areas here, they know that their children has some sort of difficulties relating to their movement, posture, and everything. But they have no idea how to help them or how to go about. So our project also, we target parents also. Like we try to make the parents understand about the importance of early intervention or the importance um, on how to help these children at home. Because if they come to the early intervention and they miss most of the time while they are staying at home. So we are working with the parents also so that the children can learn first from home then later outside. So we make them, the parents, understanding about the importance of home stimulation and giving them chance to do things on their own, even though they have difficulties, but a lot of encouragement has to be given by the parents or their sibling or any family members. Yeah, that's right. We are addressing also the problem after when these children are growing, when they, when they are reached that age where they are going to school, Early intervention is just up to six or we extend up to 12 years old. But what are the problems that, uh, what can they do after 12 years old? So we address that problem also. Because right now, most of these children, after they go to elementary school or if they come to early intervention, what is the next plan for them? So we address that also. We try to, we find out, uh, we are working on that and we try to find out solution also for these children. I remember, I think in your dream speech, you tell the story of this little girl you went to visit once. Yes, that actually that happened in my own village. So that time I wasn't walking here. I was walking outside, I mean like in the, in the city. So I went to that family. I knew the family. We are very, very familiar with the family. But I have little knowledge about the girl condition. So I went to that house one day. And while I was talking to the mother about the condition of the child, trying to make her understand about the condition and how to help her at home or how to reach to the different schemes available in the government department. And suddenly the father, I mean the grandfather of that child came inside the room and listened for a while. He was listening and standing there. Suddenly he, he came forward and talked to me and he said, see, this girl has can't do anything. Look at her feet, look at her hands. She's so small, she can't even stand up. And at that moment, he lift, he lifted her from her one hand and then he he said that, see, she can't do anything. And at the mo- at that moment, that child cried. Yes, of course. And I told the grandfather, why do you have to carry like that? It's not good to carry an infant, especially with disability, you can't carry like that. And the grandfather said, no problem. There's nothing to worry. The nurse used to carry like this. And I said, you are not a nurse. And there's a difference between a nurse carrying a baby upside down and a man carrying a, ba- a child from one hand. It might affect the child's shoulder or the uh, the elbow or the wrist. So there's a lot of complication. It might happen if keep on doing that yeah it's, it's evidently that the people the, the society needs a lot of intervention as, as you said before so can you can you help me and our listeners to understand early home intervention services for children with cerebral palsy why is early intervention important in these cases let us talk about a human being the first five years of a human being is the most critical time where all the development take place like from 
right after birth up to five years old. That is the time where a human being develops speech, develops cognitive ability, they develop the physical also. It's been taking place during that period of time. So when we talk about children with cerebral palsy, we see that they lack development, they delay, mean like they cannot grow as a normal growth and they tend to lack, stay behind. So why early intervention is very important is that so that we can stimulate these, uh, their bodies so that they can move forward according to their age and like they can follow the milestone. So we can give the uh, stimulation both, both, we have to concentrate in every aspect of growth, like the physical growth, the cognitive growth, social growth, everything, emotional growth. We have to stimulate at a very young age because if they learn at this period of time, it will stay with them till they are growing up. So parents and family members has to understand this, that uh, when you see a child tend to lag behind or are not growing as an, in a normal pace, uh, you can assume that there is a slight problem with this child and they have to seek help from a medical practitioner or they have to go to children's hospital or any child specialist for the consultation of this so that they can uh, find out what are the problems of the child. If they identify the child condition right from the, a very young age, they can prevent the later difficulties which the child may be face in the later life. What type of early intervention will children with cerebral palsy benefit okay. from? Mostly therapy exercises. Exercises is the best uh, thing that we should give to a child with cerebral palsy. So like different types of exercise based on the condition of the child. If the child has weakness in their hand, we give strengthened exercise. If the child has Th- uh, tightness in their leg or like especially in the joint area we give a uh, stretching exercise if they have coordination problem we give a coordination exercise like we give them activities to do like playing with the balls or, or we have this pegboard where they play with figures where they arrange figures those are the exercise which are given to children with cerebral palsy I see that makes totally sense yeah so tell us what drives you to work with these children and focus your projects around the early intervention of children with cerebral palsy? Okay, when I was young, I was unaware about disability. But when I was working in Bethany Society, I had the idea of going ahead studying on disability and I landed on rehabilitation therapy. So that that's when I start working with children with this uh, cerebral palsy. At first, I was always traveling around the region I was not staying in one place, so like I witnessed lots and lots of difficulties faced by children with cerebral palsy in the rural areas. But while I was moving around, I had this feeling that I come from a rural area where there are lots of people with disability and I have no idea whether these people have received support or not. Maybe they have received from the government in terms of schemes, but not as a regular intervention center or a school, like a special school. So that moved me, that moved my feelings or my heart that I need to come back to my home, to my place and start doing this. When I reflected back to where I was in childhood, these children always excluded from the 
society. They don't usually mingle with other children. They don't usually go out of the house. And even though I'm not a person with some sort of disability, but I can relate that because um, when I was kid, I usually faced like bullying in schools, in the community, and among the circle of friends also, I was, I'm not the favorite friend. <laughs> I was the least person. So I always felt that they don't like me and I feel inferior. I'm not experiencing the worst like children with disability, but I can feel that there's a sadness inside me. And I know that they will feel the same and might be worse than what I felt. Have you ever realized why you had this feeling? Why the people in your community treated you like that? The first thing that happened, it's from my home. My sibling, since I'm the last sibling, I'm the last one. So my my brothers and sister, they used to mock me. They used to call me names like monkey, monkey. And when, when my brothers and sister call me that, everyone in the community also start calling me that. And I don't like to be called a monkey, so I confront them. I confront yes, them that I don't like that. But since when they see that I don't like being called, and that makes them more enthusiastic, more happy to call me that. <laughs> That's why everyone calls me. And when I passed the primary school, and I tried to be friend with some group of girls, and they don't like me, I realized that I don't like me, but I kind of first them to like me <laughs> I know you so I was the least person <laughs> I was the least preferable person in the group so that feeling always reminds me like to my childhood so I think I don't think that is the worst feeling to others there are there are more other children who face lots and lots of problems and they have the same feeling and I, I think they have the same feeling like I did that makes me feel like these children should not be left behind. We should not leave them like that. So they should be happy. I don't want them to have the same feeling like I had when I was a young girl. So we try as the, in this project, we try to give the best to these children. We want them, we want the family especially to understand that they should not make names. They should not call names to their sibling, to their children. Because once they start from the family, it will continue in the community when, even when they are growing up also. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You are totally right. Being also a rehabilitation therapist, is there any specific advice you will give caregivers for children with cerebral palsy? Something one should have in mind? Yes, the most important thing to a caregiver or a mother especially that they should not pamper a child with disability. They should not give a hundred percent care for them. I mean, like they should not pamper too much. If you pamper a child too much, this child will understand because children with cerebral palsy, they have a good understanding. Their intellectual ability is very strong. It's just like you and me, and they understand everything. So, if the mother pamper too much to the child, they will take it for granted. Yeah. And if they take it for granted, you cannot control even when they are growing up. Parents should not pamper, but they should give the best. Like they should not reward a child with money or with uh, food all the time. But if the child do something good, yes, they should reward them with a praise that, yes, you're a good child. You do this. You encourage the good things. 
not that you will do everything for the child. So actually, it's just just to treat them, these kids, with cerebral palsy as normal as possible. Yes, yes. Like the way you are, the way you are raising, let's say, normal kid. Same thing has to be done to children with cerebral palsy also. So cerebral palsy is often associated with the tightness in the joints, which requires regular manual stretching exercise. We were talking before about that. If, yes, yes. if this is not done at the right time, you said before also, it will develop into contracture, which requires surgery intervention. Which kind of technique exactly are you using in marbling roots to help the children? We give them exercise, especially for tightness, we give them uh, stretching exercise. So stretching exercise is like we pull the muscle. You pull the muscle so that it will not stay in one place for a longer time. Like if you give an example, like in a metal, if you keep the metal for a long time, it will, it will, it will jam. Yes, you can't, you can't move. You have to move again. Like a car, if you don't drive for a long time, you will have problem, right? Mm. Something like that. So uh, same thing for a person with tightness also. If you don't move that limbs, the leg or the hand, it will, it will fix forever like that. They won't be able to move. So we give, normally we give stretching exercise. So we've just, the stretching exercise is just pulling the uh, muscle, like pulling the leg straight. Then if they are bending, we straight them, straighten them. If they are just, if the limb is just straightened, we try to bend it. In that way, we move it. So Kelinda, what are the most noticeable improvements you have seen with the kids you are working at Marbling Roots? I'll just give an example, will be much more clearer. So like there is one girl with cerebral palsy. She was unable to move the heads when I was when I met her, and she was like floppy. Like she was so the, her uh, her hand her neck control also it's so loose and she can't even control herself. So with a regular therapy intervention, I they come to the center. If they can't come to the center, I went to for a home visit, and I teach the caretaker also how to do the exercise. And the caretaker also is very responsible and she's doing that. And now the girl, that girl, she's able to, uh, her neck condition is changing, was changing from the time I met her. And now like she can, uh, she's half neck control now. Oh, it's wow. not a good neck control, but she already developed a neck control. Oh, that's nice. Yes. So I told the parents or the caretaker of that child that, If you want to help this child, we work first with the neck. We try to get first the neck control, then we work with the hand control or the trunk control. So now she's able to hold her head properly like other children. And she even turned. Yeah, yeah, she even turned. That is the good sign of her development. That is great. But we have one kid. He is already walking, but he's a boy with cerebral palsy. So... That child, he uh, he has uh, associated with some sort of intellectual disability. With him, we I I taught her I how to do the activities of daily living skills, like how he can brush himself, how to comb, how to wash hand. Before that, uh, he doesn't perform those activities on his own. So I told the mother teach him how to do all the things at home. So I told him, especially when it comes to toileting, 
I instruct the mother that she should do this, she should do that. I give all the example to the mother and she followed that. And the boy right now, he is very independent in toileting and he comb his hair and he can wash his hand and, and his behavior problem also is has reduced. So before he doesn't understand danger, before he doesn't understand danger. And now with constant teaching from the mother's side and also with the support from our early intervention, uh, he understands danger and he does not doing that anymore. That is also the good thing, good sign that he understands things. Those are really beautiful stories, but the stories of these kids are can be, could be sad. But you, anyways, you just wake up and you keep doing. How can you manage to do that? The first thing that I like to mention is that the strength that I receive right now is especially the support that I receive from my mother. She's the one who said that you keep doing this and don't stop. And I like that encouragement, especially from the one who raised me. And that motivates me a lot that I should not move backward, but I should move forward. And the other one? And and the other one is meeting these children is the best thing that I experienced. So, and not just children, but meeting people in the society is the best thing that I experienced. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like. There is a saying, which I don't know, I found from a book. It's about early intervention, but I like this uh, saying, which say many things can wait. The child cannot. Now is the time his bones are being formed. His mind is being developed. To him, we cannot say tomorrow. His name is today. So we cannot wait for tomorrow to help a child. Cerebral palsy is often misunderstood and stigmatized. Yes. What uh, misconceptions have you found that people have about it? Uh, people usually think that uh, cerebral palsy, it's uh, before they said it's a kind of disease. So they tend to search for medical intervention. If, they, if, if scientific medical intervention doesn't help, they go for a local healer and I usually make the parents understand that just going around searching for help, it will not help. But you have to help the child by doing exercise at home. We try to make them understand about that because they thought that uh, cerebral palsy is a curable. They thought that they give medicines and the child will 100% cure and then they will be happy. So, so that's the thinking of the parents. And we're still fighting for them. Uh, we are still working on that problem also, making them understand that medicine will not cure the child condition. Okay, if they have sickness or any other problem that has to search for uh, medical treatment or help, they can go ahead. Like if they have epilepsy, they have to get a medicine. For that, we encourage the parents to go for a medical checkup. But otherwise, if the child is healthy, we don't encourage the parents to give medicines to the child. Why not? Because it's not a disease. Cerebral palsy, it's not a disease. It's a condition. So if they don't have sickness, why do you have to give them medicine? That's uh, the reason. If they don't have sickness, don't give medicine, ex except if they have a breathing problem, if they have epilepsy, yes, you can go for medical treatment. Otherwise, it will not help. Medicine will not help. So speaking of, of that, I imagine that parents or caregivers for children with cerebral palsy suffer from a substantial psychosocial burden. 
What advice will you give to these people regarding early intervention for a child with cerebral palsy? First of all, we should tell the truth to the parents. We should tell the truth about the condition that this is not a disease and it's just it's a condition but that we cannot do anything but we have to accept the child as it is. I mean like we have to accept, we have to give them love just like the other children in the family. Some parents they understand about that and they realize uh, that they should not concentrate on searching medical treatment for their child but Actually, they should uh, help them in other ways, like giving them therapy or go for to a therapist for treatment. So we usually tell the truth, the parents, about the condition. What about the society? Here in our society, if we have this, it's kind of positive. Like if the family accepts the child or the person, means the community they do, doesn't have problem at all. That's a good thing in our society. So mostly start from home. If everything at home is fine, I mean, the society is fine. But for cerebral palsy, they don't know how the society, they don't like, they don't, since they are not moving around and society doesn't aware about this condition much. That is the thing. And they don't aware that there is a person with disability in the community right it's kind of they are not present that's actually the problem if they are not present if you don't see them you don't understand the problem so maybe the first thing to do is just to take them out and say okay go out to the street show the world that there is this condition or that there is a person with this condition be confident that it's going to be welcomed you said that uh, you are working also in or training preparing the children for schooling and socialization. But specifically about schooling, we didn't talk too much. So how are you exactly doing this schooling work? I mean, what do you tell the kids with this condition? Yes, first of all, we mix them with children, with other children where they don't have disability. And that's how socialization starts. And when they, do, uh, when they have this socialization with other children, they tend to become understanding on how to deal with them, mean like how to mingle with them. So the main reason of them going to a main a school is that they should maintain or they should have this connection with the society or with the with other children in the school. So we try first with the socialization. Then also we do some academic teaching also in the early intervention, like understanding the alphabets or the basic counting or basic calculating, something like that in a basic thing. But we don't go for other, which is not, which is like major things. We stick with basic thing. for them to understand where they can still write the name and, and identify the numbers. That's it. We don't uh, encourage, like I mean, we don't force children to go for complex thing uh, we go for just a basic thing and schooling for them if they go for a mainstream school is mostly socialization and understanding the community but for those who can do academically so we don't force them we encourage them what are the biggest challenges you have at marbelin roots yes the biggest challenge is that we are working on grace funding uh, like fundraising thing we have that is the main problem since we are uh, just started 
And we want first thing is that the people should aware about the project, and also that also we are working on that. That we want to like not show off. Like we want to tell the people that there is some kind of service that are available in the society, and we, they should not uh, miss this uh, like kind of opportunity. Uh, we are moving around trying to find out people, but some uh, people they don't aware about our service and and the main problem also with the people is that especially some people not all they expect something from us like kind of mm, financial support uh, something like that which we have to work on that and make people understand that we are not distributing money to people <laughs> we are not <laughs> doing kind of charity like giving giving but we serve it's better actually <laughs> i serve <laughs> it's better to serve than to give money yes to give money i don't give money i don't have money <laughs> so we have to work on that and make our people understand that they should accept the service rather than uh, charity Let me let if someone give them charity, no problem. Go ahead, but not from our side. We we serve the society. We give services. That's what we are doing right now. But we have to make people understand also. Yeah, I see. And what what is the most beautiful thing you have lived with Marbellin Roots? Um, the most beautiful thing is that I got support from the local heads. I got support from people whom I met like when I visit. Uh, if I Go to a place or a village. I go to the headman. So the usually uh, I always get a good positive support from them. That is the good thing that I experience here. I mean, like I don't lose hope when they when I met them. So that's the beautiful thing that I see. If the community is working with us, there's a great chance that we can sustain the project and we can give a greater Awareness to the society also. That's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good thing. And I have just one last question. What does Marvin Roots means to you? Marvin Roots. It's it's. Uh, I don't know how to describe that, but it's close to my heart that I should stay in this part for as long as I have lived. And we are going together hand by hand. So it's like a friend of mine. <laughs> so so Marvin Roots. It's like and new friends who give me support like a support emotionally and it makes me happy yeah i'm not kidding about that let me tell i'll just make you one story also uh while i was walking around i always feel like kind of anxiety feeling because i really want to come back home every time like i hear this voice or a whisper to my ears i saying you go back you go back you need to do this go home It always come to my head that voice, but when I move back and when I start this, uh, when I start marveling root, all those voice disappear from my my head. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this. Yes, I find happiness doing this. So it's very close to me. And that's nice. I mean, it's really important to have this joy when you are when you are doing something important for the world. So thanks, Kalinda, for your time and your work. Thank you so much. Thank you so <laughs> much. <laughs> Don't mention it. Kelinda finds joy and satisfaction in her years of work in rehabilitation for children with slow growth and physical impairment. Mabeli Roots in Meghalaya, India, provides training on early identification for the rural population, 
referral services and prepares children for schooling and socialization. You find more information on this topic and the link to follow Kelinda's Marveling Roots work in our show notes. And there we are at the end of the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. You'll find the stories of people sticking their necks out every Tuesday on Spotify, iTunes, our homepage, and every other place where you get your podcast. And if you subscribe, you don't have to look out for us. We'll be coming to you. Dear listeners, if there is a friend, a family member, an organization, or someone you know who is doing a great work in the community, someone sticking their neck out, just nominate them as a giraffe hero or tell us about them. Leave a comment, come and visit us at giraffe-heroes.eu. My name is Jean-Pierre Aguilar-Durañona, and I hope you join us also on our social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, but more importantly, I hope you join us again next week. Stick Your Neck Out, the weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation.